Welcome to the Emmanuel Baptist Church Podcast. We pray that the sermon you're about to hear would be useful as you grow in your love for God and your love for His church. Now, here's today's sermon. Well, if you would, turn to the book of 3 John in your copy of God's Word or the Pew Bible in front of you. If you need to use that, feel free. It's going to be page, if you're using that Bible, page 1026. But everyone, if you would, turn to 3 John, and I think it'll be most helpful if you have it in front of you. We are in the latter parts of our series through the book of 3 John. Um, We spent, if you remember, 19 weeks in the book of 1 John, two weeks in the book of 2 John, and now we are in our first of three weeks in 3 John. We'll be wrapping it up here this month. Pretty excited um, to look at 3 John, but then also excited to move on to the book of Matthew. We'll be there for quite some time, but I want to start our considerations of 3 John this morning by just reading the entirety of it. I know, ambitious, reading the entire book, all 15 verses of it, but we will, and then we'll consider what God has to say through it. This is what the Word of God says. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, is a faithful thing you do in all of your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey, in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be in fellow workers for the truth. I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So I come, I will, when I come, sorry, if I come, I will bring up what he is doing talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you may know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. As you can tell on the screen... Today I want to title our time in God's Word, Prosperity and Good Health. Prosperity and Good Health. Right off the bat, if you're looking at the front 
part, first few verses of the book of 3 John, I want us to notice a few things. Firstly, that he's writing to an individual rather than the broader church. So it's not like Paul writing to the church in Ephesus or the church in Philippi. He's writing to Gaius, an individual. So it's much more like Paul writing to, say, Timothy or Titus. John is writing to a man named Gaius, most likely a a leader in in a house church, possibly a pastor over a flock. And this is who he's writing to. And, and it's, I think, noteworthy that he, he wants to make sure that Gaius knows how much John cares about him. Maybe, I don't know if you noticed that, but just the sentimentality behind the letter, the, the affect that's just infused within it. He clearly has great affections for Gaius. He he shows it, firstly, by just saying it outright. Right? To Gaius, whom I love in truth. He just needs Gaius to know that he loves him. And then he even calls Gaius beloved four times. Four times. It seems redundant to use it twice in 15 verses, but four times in 15 verses. Verse 1, verse 2, verse 5, and then down in verse 11. He needs guys to hear, I love you. Reminds me of, of Judah. He's a very soft-hearted kid. and Whenever he's in his most lovey moods, definitely not always. Um, but when he is, usually when he wakes up from a nap, a good nap, right? He's all cuddly. Um, he just keeps wanting to say, I love you. I love you. I love you. And he lays his head on you. I love you. And like, that's a terrible thing to get annoyed by, right? Like, you don't want to tell your kids, stop telling me you love me already. Um, but, you know, whenever they sound like a broken record, regardless what they're saying, sometimes it, I'm just being honest with you, right? It, but he needs us to know. He just wants mommy and daddy to know, I love you. And I think that's what John is really just saying to guys, I just need you to know. Please hear it. I love you. And I think we can learn from that, the love of a child, as well as the love that John shows in Holy Scripture that we can't over-communicate our love for one another. We, we can't over-communicate, as, and you should try. We can't over-communicate our appreciation and genuine care for one another. I think that's a, that's a theme in, in 3 John that we can pull from it. So we, he wants Gaius to know how much he cares about him. and shows it by firstly just saying it outright. by the words he uses. But secondly, he shows Gaius how much he cares for him in the first few verses, I think, by expressing that he just wants good in Gaius' life. He says, I just want good for you. I pray for good for you. It's different than saying, I love you, beloved. He shows his care for Gaius in a very practical way way by just saying, I just hope you're doing really well. He shows his care for Gaius in that way. Two ways specifically, he shows that he wants good to happen to Gaius. And these are kind of the two points for our time together. John shows that he cares about Gaius's physical well-being. That's how he shows that he loves Gaius. He he expresses his care for Gaius's physical, physical well-being. He says, verse 2, Beloved, I pray that. So he's praying here. 
What is he praying for Gaius? I pray that, firstly, all may go well with you. He's praying for Gaius' prosperity. He is praying, John is praying for prosperity in Gaius' life. The same phrase, that all may go well with you, it's used other places in Scripture. Firstly, in Romans chapter 1, verse 10, it says, it's Paul writing, and he says, Always in my prayers I am asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at least succeed. That's, that's that same phrase in Greek, that all may go well. It's here talking about success. Here, in Romans 1, Paul is using this, as it may go well, phrase, to talk about being successful in what he's setting out to do. I have a mission, I have a goal, I'm setting out to do it, and I'm praying for success. So that could be, goodness, for us, that could be a business plan, a goal that we have, occupationally, that could be just going to college, getting a degree, success in what we set out to do. Completing a house project, I mean, this could apply to a lot of things, practically speaking, in our lives. And, and John is saying, guys, I hope that for you, what you set out to do, I, I hope it for you, that you're successful. It's also used in 1 Corinthians 16 particularly relating to that of finances, prospering financially. 1 Corinthians 16, Paul writes, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper. Same phrase, as it goes well with you, 3 John, as you prosper, prosper financially so that there will be no collecting when I come. So here, Paul is using this same phrase to talk about growing in finances and wealth. So if we go back to this text in 3 John, he's saying, firstly, I pray that you are successful occupationally, that what you're working towards you do great with it, and actually that you would prosper possibly financially. These are all within the realms of possibility of what he's praying for when he's saying, I pray that it goes well in your life. And then to top on that, he says, not only do I pray that for you, but also I pray that you would be in good health. So not only wealth, but health. (laughs) Is anyone starting to get a little uncomfortable in the seat? Like, where is our pastor going here (laughs) with this? He prays that Gaius would be healthy. That's a good thing to pray for somebody else, right? You don't have to get... uncomfortable with the reality of just we should be praying for each other's physical well-being and I think that is just side note I think that is something our church is absolutely incredible at I mean just on Wednesday night Bible studies and I just sat in on the Sunday school on the other side of the building and just the amount of time that we allot to just lifting other people up specifically in their physical health They're sick and they just need prayer. They got a bad diagnosis, so we're going to lift them up in prayer. I think it's just amazing that our church really, I think, embodies what John is doing here for Gaius. 
I pray that you would be healthy, brother. That you wouldn't get that bad diagnosis. I pray that you wouldn't get sick. I pray that you would be waking up in the morning not with back pain, right? I just pray that you'd be in good health. This also means I think it's appropriate for us to pray for our own health. It's not a bad thing to spend a little time praying for your own physical health. Just because back pain isn't spiritual per se doesn't mean that God doesn't want to hear it from you. And so, firstly, we see that John cares about Gaius and he expresses that by saying, I hope that you life goes well for you, and that you're healthy as well. Now, I want to pause, hard pause, and say this is not John advocating for what is commonly coined as the prosperity gospel, or the health and wealth gospel. That is not what John is advocating for here, and we need to make that clear. Some of you might not know what I'm talking about when I use those phrases like health and wealth gospel or prosperity gospel. So what is the prosperity gospel before I show that that's not what John's talking about here or advocating for here? Well, the prosperity gospel, you may, you may hear it explicitly taught in various places, most commonly, I think, by um, famous televangelists. It's most common amongst them. And this is just explicit teachings of prosperity gospel teachings, false gospel, might add. You might hear things like, God wants you rich. He wants you living with luxury. Right? This is like Joel Osteen's Your Best Life Now stuff. Or they might make bold statements like, God's will for you. Have you ever heard that? God's will for you. I know it is that you would be healthy and comfortable. So that's just like explicit, in your face, no hiding it, prosperity, gospel, teachings. But more often than not, we're not confronted with that unless you're watching televangelists. More often it's more under the radar and subtle, infused every once in a while into preaching. And that could be just the church right down the road, more subtly teaching it, and it's not as noticeable explicitly, just as dangerous and deadly, saying things like, financial blessing is an evidence of God's anointing on your life. That's got prosperity gospel in it, because it actually very well could be Satan's working in your life to trip you up and direct your attention away from He who's more important than anything this world has to offer. Don't just quickly assume it's God's anointing on your life. It could be Satan's attack on your life. But it's a subtle way of working that in. Or or you might hear, if you sow a seed today, you'll receive it back tenfold in the coming months. This is subtly the prosperity gospel. We are not promised that anywhere in Scripture. So a Preacher shouldn't be promising that anytime. So that's what the prosperity gospel is. I just want to say the prosperity gospel is at odds with Scripture. It is undoubtedly unbiblical. God does promise stored up riches and full healing 
in eternity. And actually, he promises trials in this life. Don't just say they might come about. He promises that if you're faithful to him, trials will come in this life. He promises the opposite. He never makes a promise in this life that we will be healthy and wealthy if our faith is just strong enough. It's at odds with Scripture. In fact, Paul, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and pierce themselves. Health and wealth are not an automatic connection to blessing or promise for the Christian. In fact, Jesus even warns us that surrounding yourself with riches makes it harder, not easier, to be saved. It's harder for a rich man to get into heaven than a camel to the eye of a needle. Riches don't make it easier to get into heaven. They're more of a stumbling block. So that's not, prosperity gospel is not what Scripture teaches, and more specifically, the prosperity gospel is not what John is advocating here in 3 John. How do we know that? How do we know that? Because he just, I mean, didn't he just prayed that he would be successful, possibly financially, given 1 Corinthians 16. He prayed that he would be successful, that he would be flourishing and abundant, and he, and he prayed that he would be in good health. How is that not the prosperity gospel? Well, two things. First, John knew what kind of man Gaius was. We'll get into this, I think, a little bit next week, but he commends Gaius later in the letter for giving ample supply to missionaries as they traveled through. He says, keep doing that. You are blessing these men. You're sending them off ready to continue in their ministry. And so John knows what kind of man Gaius is when he has means. And so of course he's going to pray that he would continue to have means so that he would continue to bless the ministry of others. He knows what kind of man Gaius is, so it's safe to pray for Gaius's continued blessing materialistically. But secondly, John is praying, not promising. Do you notice that? Just, just slightly different, but it's massively different. He's praying. He's not promising. You don't see a promise anywhere in there that he would have good health. You don't see a promise anywhere in there that all will go well with Gaius. There's no guarantees here. There's no sales pitch. There's no bait and switch. Just a good desire and prayer that it would be so. So get this, ready? There's a fair chance it didn't go well with Gaius if he was faithful to Jesus. There's a chance Gaius didn't have good health. He could have been diagnosed with some sickness shortly after receiving this letter. He could have been inflicted like Job. And if so, God didn't do him any wrong. And John didn't mislead him because he only prayed, didn't promise. So the prosperity gospel is completely antithetical to Scripture, and it's even not what John is advocating for here. 
And yet, because he loves Gaius and cares for Gaius, he shows that by praying for Gaius' physical well-being. And we should pray for one another's physical well-being. But beyond that, he doesn't only care about Gaius' physical well-being, but what else does he care for? He cares about his spiritual well-being. Not just his physical, his spiritual well-being. Let me read verses 3 and 4 now. He says, For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your what? Prosperity? Good health? No. I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth. As indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are prospering in good health? No. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. You see what it, do you see what he's saying here in verses 1 through 4? I pray that all oh, will go well with you. Amen. I pray that you would have physical health. Nothing makes me happier than you're a Christian, that you're walking with Jesus, that you're faithful to him. None of that matters compared to you walking with Jesus. What John is saying is that temporary blessings, health, wealth, are less important significantly. Walking with God is truly what matters. This means that you can have no money to your name And you could be a faithful, God-honoring Christian. That's what matters. You can be like Job, plagued with horrible diseases, and yet be loved by God fiercely. That's Job. That's what matters. That's what John's advocating for here. So I pray that would happen to you, but honestly, what I mostly care about and say, you are walking in the truth. And as long as you have that, honestly, it doesn't matter if you have the health and the wealth. Do you know that's actually what Paul is talking about in Philippians 4.13? Super common verse. Anyone got it on a mug? Come on, be honest. Uh, I bet you do. <laughs> or on the wall. It's super common verse. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is actually what what Paul's talking about in Philippians 4.13. We don't think about that. Let's go to that just real quick. I think I've got it. We have Philippians 4.13 on there. Oh, I just didn't change the bottom. It is. I didn't change the bottom of the screen. Ignore 3 John 3-4. That's me. This is Philippians 4.13 and 12. Listen to, what, listen to what Paul's writing here. He says, I know how to be brought low and how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all of it through Christ who strengthens me. 
That's what, that's what Paul's talking about here in Philippians 4.13. I don't care if I have a lot or none. I don't care if I, have, uh, if I have to live paycheck to paycheck or I've got money in the bank. I don't care if I've got bread for today or I don't. I can live in any of those circumstances because I've got Jesus. And now some of you might be nudging like, we're going to get rid of that mug. <laughs> So Paul's talking about. That's what John's talking about. So much more important that you're walking with Jesus than any of your physical conditions in life. Jesus even shares this heart of prioritizing eternal matters over temporal or material matters. Remember Jesus' quote, what, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose his soul? You hear Jesus' heart? It matters so much more that you're walking with God. What does it matter if you have all that and you just lose your soul? Or another quote from Jesus, don't store up treasures on earth because those rust and fade. Store up treasures in where? In heaven. Because that's what matters. So, why does John... Why does John say, I have no greater joy than to hear that you're walking in the truth? Why does he emphasize eternal matters over temporal matters? Why does Jesus say that? Why does Paul say that in Philippians 4? Why? Because they know that health and they know that wealth don't bring happiness or fulfillment. Walking with God does Please hear that. If you are chasing, if you are chasing that, more money in the bank, if you're chasing that by working so many hours you don't have time with church or your family, please hear that. It won't bring happiness. In fact, statistically, it's proven that suicide is far more common among the rich than it is among the poor. What does that tell us? Other than wealth won't bring you happiness. It won't give you what you want. It won't fill that hole in your heart. It won't. You should look sometime about the suicide rates and percentage rates of people taking their own life in first world countries versus third world countries. Massively lower in third world countries. You'd think it'd be the opposite. No, because living conditions don't give you Fulfillment. You can have Christ in any condition. Wealth is oftentimes a distraction from, certainly not a means to, relationship with God. There's just no correlation between wealth and satisfaction. So it shouldn't be the center of our, atten- our attention or our desires. It shouldn't be the center of our world. Instead, walking with God should be. And that has a lot of practical implications in our lives, doesn't it? We should give the majority of our attention to the weightier, more important, eternal matters in life. This, this influences, think about this, this influences how you spend your free time if we are to give more attention to the weightier, more eternal matters in life. 
over materialistic matters. That, that'll, that'll impact what you do on your free time. That, that'll influence how you invest your money, what you do have. Right? Oh yeah. And just reflect on this. I, I was this week. Are you stewarding? I'll, I'll make it me, right? Am I stewarding my money wisely? Am I breaking down my budget wisely knowing what will bring a return into my joy and what won't? You hear me? Is my money going to things that have eternal matters? Or am I just dumping it and thus wasting it into things that do nothing for my soul or the souls of others? Something that we need to reflect on. This also should shape the things that we pray for, or at least pray mostly for, right? Something else to reflect on. What am I praying for? What takes up most of my prayer time? Am I most commonly praying for practical matters? Am I more um, uh, commonly praying for physical well-being of myself or other people? Am I praying for financial problems, physical, practical matters, or am I praying for eternal matters? More. Things that I need to consider. Now, don't mishear me here. I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray for practical and physical things. John does, right? John prays that Gaius would be in good health and that he would be doing well. So, Let's pray for both spiritual things and physical or practical or tangible things. Let's pray for both of them, but we should always give more of our attention, I think, prayerfully to the concerns of eternal things. So let me get this kind of like rubber meets the road. Let's pray for healing, right? Let's pray for healing. If you know somebody that's sick, if you yourself are sick, let's pray for healing to the God who is the great physician over the body. And yet better, let's pray for enduring faith in the sick while they're waiting for healing. You hear, you hear that? Let's pray for healing, but let's pray for faith in the midst of waiting for healing. Let's pray for finances God can do miracles. He, he obviously multiplied fish. He cares about our provisions. Let's pray for our provisions, but better yet, let's pray for satisfaction in Jesus alone while we wait for provision. So this was the opening of 3 John where John shows his clear care for Gaius. He, he wants Gaius to be doing well physically, and he really wants Gaius to be doing well spiritually. Just as John cares about Gaius, I care so much about you. And I'm not just saying that. That's not just a platitude. I mean it. In fact, the 24-hour prayer John could say, John could tell Gaius that he's praying for him, so I can tell you that I'm praying for you. During 24-hour prayer, if you're in the directory, I prayed for you by name. This week. Maybe you need to know that. 
You're prayed for by name. I care about you, just as John cared about Gaius. I want you to be blessed. Each one of you, really, I I do. I want you to receive healing if you're sick. I, I want your car to be fixed if you're not sure how to fix it financially. I want you to receive a blessing from an anonymous individual who dropped money in your mailbox, which is just enough for your bills to be paid. I, I want that for you. I want you to receive a refreshing vacation to get away and invest in your marriage, your family. Get that promotion at work. Get that positive pregnancy test if you're, if you're wanting it, working for it. <laughs> I want these things for you. I I want those things for you. But I have to say what John says. I have no greater joy than you growing in Jesus. That's what I want most for you. No matter if you get that promotion or not. Whether you get that check in the mailbox or not. Whether you get that good news or bad news from the doctor or not. I rejoice mostly that you are walking with Jesus. That you're growing in holiness. That you're trusting His grace more today. That's what I want. That you're comforted more and more by His promises of eternity. That you are empowered and emboldened more and more to witness to other people who need Jesus. That you are more joyful amidst your suffering each day. That's what I That's what I care most about for you. If you don't know Jesus, I want that for you most of all. More than anything else, that you'd be walking in the truth, that you'd find the satisfaction your soul is longing for, that you would find the joy that your heart is craving. And it's only in Jesus. The amazing thing is, is you don't need health and wealth to get that. You don't. In fact, you might just need that moved out of the way for you to get that, to see that, to want that. If that's you and that applies to you, someone that hasn't given their life to Jesus or gotten to know him, I I would love to pray with you and talk to you about that today. Someone will be up here to pray with you if you need that. That goes for anybody. God is good, and He cares about you, all of you. But mostly, let's give our attention to eternal matters. Thanks for listening to today's sermon. If you live in or near Bethany, Missouri, we invite you to join us for our worship services held on Sunday morning and Sunday evenings, as well as our various activities on Wednesday nights. For more information on how you can get involved, visit our website at bethanyibc.com.